We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithanee.org.au. Well, this morning I want to continue in the series of, uh, of prayer and... Um... And for some of you, it might be still a bit of a muddle, this whole thing about prayer, about understanding what it is to communicate with God and to hear from Him and to what's appropriate. How do I speak that out? Um, I've got to tell you, I had a, a very interesting experience recently um, and I learned a, a really new thing. And um, it's about our, our puppy dog, our teddy bear, our um, golden retriever. Um, I always felt sorry for Teddy that he can't talk. You know, we can talk and we can chat and we can communicate and we, uh, we're able to pray and use words there this morning. And uh, I was sharing this with a friend of mine recently and he pulled me up and he said, Lloyd, do you know Teddy can communicate way better than you ever could? And I thought like, what? And then on the back of that, I saw a TV program about how to talk to your dog or how to listen to your dog. And it was really humbling to find that that truth that my friend spoke was actually true. A dog can hear and smell 1,000 times better than you can. A dog has perception about you. He knows more about you than what you do. He knows when you're sad. He knows when you're happy. He knows when you're struggling with something. A friend of mine a few years ago who was a diabetic told me that uh, if ever she lost her husband, she'd get a dog. And why was that? Because a dog knows when she's about to go into a coma and could wake her up and get her attention. He can smell the very thing that's going on in her system in terms of her sugar levels. Isn't that amazing? And you think these poor animals, they can't talk and there's not even a thought in their mind that they would ever want to talk. They know what they need to know. They can communicate with you just fine. Words aren't an issue. For some of us in you in the faith and some of us in our journey struggle to communicate effectively with God. And uh, part of our series and the idea behind the series is to help us all to be able to pray better and, uh, and to be able to pray with uh, uh, fervour and to pray into things meaningfully. And uh, along those lines, I want to speak this morning with the title of Authentic Prayer. Authentic Prayer. I've got three scriptures I want to read to you, then I want to just pray for this time together. And the first one is from Matthew 6, 5 to 13. Uh, Pastor Phil a couple of weeks ago spoke about the Lord's Prayer. This is just the precursor leading into the Lord's Prayer. It's basically saying what not to do. And then it goes on, Jesus goes on in the Sermon on the Mount to explain what prayer looks like. But let me read these three scriptures to you. Firstly from Matthew 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Psalm 139, we heard from AB from the Psalms last week. And uh, in Psalm 139 verses 23, it says, Search me, God. And know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me 
and lead me into the way of everlasting. Psalm 51, that beautiful psalm of confession, verse six says, surely you desire truth in my inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Wisdom in the inmost place. Father God, as we come to these precious words from you, and with our desire this morning to learn more about prayer, Lord, would you speak to us today? Convey your thoughts, your, your feelings, your wisdom that you want to bring to bear on our lives, increase our understanding about you, Lord. And be with me as I speak, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to work under a number of headings uh, this morning in unpacking authentic prayer. And the first one is, uh, first real requirement in praying authentically is purity of heart. The Word of God says that the truth will set you free. And uh, the opposite is true as well. Uh, deception will confuse you, will in, in bondage you. Purity of heart. We've got three particular things that we learn about purity of heart. Well, firstly is the, is the hypocrite that we just read about. Uh, you've got someone who's uh, out there using eloquent words. They're, uh, they're demonstrating. They're, in a sense, performing uh, to the public. And uh, for some people, um, it can be a real struggle to pray publicly. We've just had three of our beautiful people along with Phil publicly pray on our behalf and to lead us in prayer. Um, Simone, my wife, um, for many years struggled to pray in a small group or in a public setting. And uh, for her, it was, she spent more time thinking about what she had to say rather than actually conveying a real prayer to God. And so that was right for her. It was just too much of a struggle to think about what other people think. And uh, certainly that's something that we need to consider. But this fellow that is praying as a hypocrite is, is concerned about his audience. He's concerned about those that are listening, that he would make a good impression, that he would be able to portray to them something of who he is that he isn't. He's presenting a lie, that's what hypocrisy is. And Jesus says, he's got his reward in full. What's his reward? The accolades of those around him, those that have appreciated his words and have walked away with a lie in their mind thinking that how good this man is. What a godly man, he prays so eloquently. And Jesus says, well, those prayers actually never got beyond the ceiling. <laughs> his reward was them listening and feeling that they've got this wonderful friend in their presence. You see, the contrast between praying publicly in that performing manner and someone who goes behind a closed door and in secret prays to God, and that's a metaphor of about how we should pray, was the audience is not the public, it's an audience of one. And so for us this morning, uh, uh, the acid test of our prayers is, is that they are authentic is firstly, who is the audience? 
And if you find yourself in a public setting worried more about what people are saying, remember, it should be an audience of one. You get the point? An audience of one. I'm communicating with my God and my God alone. And I'm being authentic in my prayer. In Psalm 24, it says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in idols or swear by a false God, has clean hands and a pure heart. Secondly, moving from hypocrisy, I want to look about discernment. Discernment. Another very important thing about purity of heart is having discernment about what is the truth. It's coming to God with the truth, but it's also knowing what the truth is in this situation. Sometimes we can look at a situation and we can be completely wrong about it. One of the most difficult times of my life was going from um, being in a public domain as an evangelist and uh, in a band and communicating the gospel. And I'd had a very successful ministry for some eight years, uh, traveling extensively and communicating regularly. And uh, after that experience, I kind of felt bulletproof. Has anyone ever felt bulletproof? They're very successful in their line of work. They've got their credit card, not their credit card, their, their business card, and it states who they are. And they, you feel very proud about how good you are and how successful you've been. And, and you feel like you could take on anything. Maybe it's just me, but that's how I felt back in the day. And uh, I felt God calling me to, uh, to Bible college to deepen my roots in the Word of God and to be able to um, study and set aside for that time and prepare for what I thought was more of evangelism. And then God redirected me into pastoral ministry. And uh, I soon went from being bulletproof to being completely unraveled. <laughs> One of the most difficult times of my life. I, I, I'm, I'm not a very good student when it comes to studying in the, in the traditional way. And um, I remember going to Bible college and just being way out of my depth. And I struggled. I was pastoring a church at the same time and I was studying full time and uh, it was a difficult time. I remember going to a psychologist and working through some deep issues of my life, but it was really one of those times where God just completely unraveled me. And I, I started to think, have I done the wrong thing? Because this is so hard. It was so easy before. I seemed to be able to just float along and God was with me and amazing things happened. And now it's so difficult. I, I, I've, surely I've done something wrong. What God was teaching me was, no, you haven't done anything wrong. But I want you to know, Lloyd, it's not about your ability, but it's about my sufficiency. And the only way I got through college was walking ever so closely with the Lord and appealing to Him at every turn for every need that I had. Yes, I came through college and I did really well but it was in God's sufficiency, not in my ability. And it was discerning that point that changed my prayer life. 
It's when I got that point and I discerned what God was up to that my prayers became more effective. Sometimes uh, discerning the truth about a situation is more important than the praying at that point. And much of what I do in my office in counseling people is pastoral counseling. Uh, you may go to a psychologist, you may go to someone in the public and they deal with you in a different context. Uh, I love the fact that every time I counsel someone in my room, the Holy Spirit is the counselor. I've just got to cooperate with him. But a great deal of what I do is discerning the truth about the matter. The truth will set you free. It may be discerning the reality of your situation, what's really going on for you. It may be discerning that really right here, we, we're dealing with an addiction and you need help. It may be discerning that there's something spiritual going on here where we need to in, invest at a greater depth in terms of prayer to uh, remove you from this bondage. Some of you in the last week may have had ministry by Reinhardt and Trudy in their ministry of Oz Challenge, and uh, they do this very, very well. Uh, Trudy discerns in the spiritual. She, she sees and can be alluded to things that might be problems in your life, and then Reinhardt simply prays for those things that they would be removed. But it's knowing how to pray that it makes it effective. It's discerning what am I going through? What is happening for me right now? and then praying more effectively into that situation. The truth will set you free. And lastly, there's another point of deception that can really affect our prayer life and that's the deception of sinfulness. Psalm 66 says, I cry out to Him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. And on the back of that, 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, what that Scripture is talking about, those both Scriptures are talking about, that, that on this side of eternity, you will not, arrive at a place of sinlessness. Sin is a struggle. Is it your struggle? Is it my struggle? Yes, it is daily, moment by moment. But we are truthful about that to the Lord. It's when we lie about that, we get ourselves in trouble. Sometimes it's not justifying your sin or speaking out why you're struggling. It's simply coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I am so sorry. I am wicked to the core and I have done this and I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? And on the basis of 1 John 1, 8 and 9, it tells us that He will every time. If I confess my sins, He is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Authentic prayer is very much about purity of heart, avoiding hypocrisy, discerning what's going on and being honest about my wickedness and my sinfulness and my need for Jesus. Secondly, I want to talk about faith. It's impossible to please God without faith, the Scripture says, and uh, not all of our prayers that we pray are faith-driven. 
Some are cries for health and, and we doubt very much whether God's gonna respond. And that's not a prayer of faith. You see, a prayer of faith contains three things. A prayer of faith is confident that God cares. It's confident, secondly, that He is able. It's confident that He is willing. You see, those three ingredients are absolutely necessary when I come to prayer in God. That He cares, that He's able, and that He's willing. If any of those are missing, it affects my prayer life. I might believe that God is able and that He's willing, but if I don't think He cares, He may choose not to do something about it. I might think that God cares and that God is willing, but I might think He's not able. God is powerless. God doesn't have the strength to do that. Or I might think that God cares and God is able, but is He really willing to deal with a rat bag like me? That's the thought that A.B. led into his sermon last week about Christmas being naughty or nice and he was sort of feeling a little bit naughty and didn't deserve for God to answer his prayers. I've mentioned over the last couple of weeks that uh, how we view God and how we understand Him has a lot to do with the parenting that we've received. If we've had distant parenting and people that uh, judge us on the performance that we do, then that'll be in turn often the way that we see God. And there needs to be work done there. But it can take quite a bit of effort on on our part to be able to develop faith. Faith is like a muscle. We are given faith when we come to faith in Jesus. He gives us a portion of faith. And the Bible tells us that we need a little bit more than none at all. Is that right? A grain of a mustard seed. Jesus makes that point that you need a little bit more than none at all. But it's how you use that faith that's important. For that little seed to grow into a big bush, it has to be planted. You have to make the effort. You have to plant that seed, that little seed. And how you plant it is in your mind, you develop a confidence to know that God cares that God is able and that God is willing. And these are the three areas that Satan will bring accusation against you to undermine. He will tell you that you've done this one more, one time too many and God doesn't care about you anymore. He will tell you that you have done this dreadful thing and that the blood of Jesus Christ can't deal with that. Or He will tell you that God is just not willing. You're a bad person through and through. But to develop faith is in your mind's eye to, as if it were, rehearse, to fight for, to believe in what the truth is about God's heart for you. Pastor Phil and AB have spoken about this, about reflecting on what truly is God like towards you. That God loves you. That God is involved in ways that you're never even imagine in your life that God has your back. And yes, God is willing to help you in your situation. And God is more than adequate to meet the need of your situation. 
And the more we ponder those things and reflect on them, it may be in a given situation you're struggling to believe those. And sometimes it takes time to visualise that in your imagination, to think through and to turn those thoughts around and to push away the accusations, to pull out the arrows in Jesus' Name and to know liberty to believe what the truth is about you and to raise your confidence in Jesus, to raise your belief in the truth about Him and then pray in confidence and then pray in faith. Faith is like a muscle. The more you train it, the stronger it will get. And thirdly this morning and lastly, the fourth point is really a sub point to this, which I'll talk about in just a moment is that we need to pray in the name of Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 13, and whatever you ask in my name, that is what I will do. Now, for most of us, we, we pray in the name of Jesus at the end of our prayer. And, uh, and that's not an equation. That's not magical. That's not a formula. We're just verbalizing the heart with which we're praying, the way we are approaching this point. Sometimes it's not even in the words that we speak, but it's an acknowledgement in our heart. You see, when we are praying in the name of Jesus, there's a couple of things that are going on in the spiritual. There's a couple of things that we're doing. Firstly, we are acknowledging His intercession. You see, when uh, in Revelations, we have this beautiful picture of the Lamb. The Lamb has come and the Lamb is lifted and raised to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it, it says that uh, every knee will bow to who? To Jesus. When Jesus came and He died, He lived on this earth, He died and then He rose back to life again. He has done more than we ever could think of or imagine in terms of the spiritual all things have been passed over to the Son, the Scripture tells us. And when Jesus says, hey, whatever you ask of me, I will do it for you according to my will. So when we pray in Jesus' Name, we're acknowledging His powerful and wonderful position. You see, without Jesus, we don't have any salvation. Without Jesus, we aren't righteous. It's through the cross and what Jesus done, His finished work, the only work that He could do, the only way, it's all because of Him. And that's why we say in Jesus' Name. It's because Jesus has opened the door, Jesus has opened the way for me to intercede with God the Father. And the imagery that we have in, in the Bible is that there was the first Adam that led us into sin. And then in Romans, it talks about the second Adam that leads us into righteousness. And that second Adam, the first of a new creation is Jesus Himself. You see, when Jesus came to earth, that was the first time that God took on human flesh. And we often think that Jesus went back to heaven in his, uh, in his spiritual state. No, Jesus went back to heaven and ascended physically into heaven to show that He left this world in a physical state and ascends and sits at the Father God's right hand in a physical form representing humanity. And when we pray, it, it, Jesus intercedes. He brings our prayers to the Father God. It's through Jesus that we pray. That's what we're acknowledging. 
And secondly, which I'll put down as point four, but really a second sub point, is that we are acknowledging a submission to His will. Jesus said, pray in my name and I'll give it to you according to my will, He says. All authority has been given to Jesus and Jesus has great plans for you and I. And sometimes His plans are different from yours. Is that right? And is it fair enough for you to say, Lord, I really want this. I really believe you can do it. I, I believe that you care for me. I believe that you're able and that you're willing. Would you give me this? Is it fair enough for God to say, no, Lloyd. <laughs> That's gonna do more harm than good. And you know, I've looked back on my life, my short life that I've lived, and I can see many times where I thank God He didn't give me what I wanted. You ever been there? Anyone felt that? Woo, thank God you didn't give that to me then. Even though I was passionate and desiring it so much, our good God said, no, nah, that's not good for you right now. Submission to His will is a beautiful thing. We can come in fervent prayer. We can come confidently. We can come believing and expecting healing. We can come and believe for great things of God. And He will give great things of God. But in His greater wisdom, He has other things in mind. And they may be different from what you and I have. So this morning, being authentic in prayer, purity of heart is really important to God. Being honest with God, not being a hypocrite. Have a discerning heart towards the things you're going through and being honest about your sin. Prayer demands faith, something that brings a real smile to God's face and it's being confident that He loves you, that He's able and that He's willing. And we need to pray in Jesus' name because He is the one that has opened the way for you and for you, me. Just in closing, I'm going to read from the Scriptures this morning and from Luke chapter 18, verses 19 to 14, where Jesus on the back was speaking up those words in the Sermon on the Mount that He did in such a brief way as a precursor to the Lord's Prayer. He gives us a story that better fleshes out what He was saying. It's called the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. I'm just going to invite the worship team to come up as I read this. To some who were confident in their own righteousness. You like that? To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee. The other, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you the truth, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself 
will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted.